freedom. How many of us got up this morning free to open our eyes, take a deep breath, get out of bed, head into the kitchen and make ourselves a cup of coffee and grab some breakfast? Add to that the simple freedom of walking out our front door to head off to work or school or visit friends. We don't think much about these things. Of course, the coronavirus has curtailed some of our freedoms and we've chased, chafed at these restrictions, but we still are able to live our lives in relative autonomy. The Oxford Dictionary defines freedom as having the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint, including the absence of enslavement by a government. Yet, according to the international organization uh, who writes about freedoms, there remain 57 countries in the world that do not allow their citizens such recognized freedoms. And there isn't a nation in the world that hasn't fought for such freedoms, as our histories of world wars and civil unrest indicates. But I'm not going to talk about political freedoms today, as important as they are. Rather, I'm going to concentrate on the freedom we have as believers, the freedom that surrendering our lives to the care and love of Jesus Christ affords us. The Apostle Paul explains to the Corinthians, For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if there's ever a time for us to relish this freedom, it's now. How can we know this freedom? The scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, Paul writes the Galatians. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. And as Jesus began his ministry on earth, he declared that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce reliefs or pardon or forgiveness to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who were oppressed, downtrodden, bruised or crushed by tragedy, according to the amplified version of Luke 4. And Jesus identifies the freedom that he gives us even more completely in John 8, saying, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And how does he give us freedom? Galatians 4 states, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so he could adopt us as his very own children. Ephesians 1.7 says that our Father God in heaven is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave all of our sins. And Colossians 1.14 explains, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his own dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. How well we recognize the many things from our past that kept us in bondage, blinded us to our sin and separation from God. The drinking, the drugs, the carousing, the selfish and hurtful behavior we exhibited to please ourselves, or so we thought. Yet despite who we were or what we were doing, God loved us so greatly, so completely, so absolutely that he purchased our freedom, not with cash, or labor, but with the life, the very blood of his own dear son. How awesome is that? But how do we stay free? 
the writer of Hebrews advises us to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and has run with endurance the race that is set before us. We can liken this to a soccer player who chooses to play the game with weights tied to his ankles. It'd be hard to run up and down the field, let alone kick that winning goal of the game. Or a person wanting a job or a promotion who plays games on their phone rather than send out their CV or do their job well. The encumbrances are the same as both prevent someone from doing their best, accomplishing their goal. But if sin is no longer our master, as we read in Romans 6, as we live under the freedom of God's grace, and as Christ has truly set us free, how can we make sure we stay free and don't get tied up in slavery again, as we read in Galatians 5? It isn't God that prevents us from living in freedom. And we are warned not to use our freedom to satisfy our sinful nature, not to think that we can live in the love of God and under the blanket of his grace that we can do whatever we want. That means we can't continue to live as we did in the past, lying and stealing and speaking or doing as we please. No, a life in Christ means we're a new creation, a completely new person with new thoughts and new behavior, which is entirely different from our past way of being. How do we currently measure up? The message translates 2 Corinthians 13.5 in this way, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Powerful words, to be sure. There's no doubt that we have to be living a changed life, that we clearly can be living in the kingdom of his light and not remaining in darkness or doubt or dread. What is that freedom we should be enjoying? For one, it's the freedom from fear. Is this world not a scary place? Are these not uncertain times? So how can I say God gives us freedom from fear? Well, we read in 1 John 4, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And it goes on to say, God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid in the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world Such love has no fear because perfect love expels or casts out or gets rid of all fear. The Apostle John penned these words to us from his imprisonment on the Isle of Patmos, a small rocky barren area where many criminals of Rome were sent. There were mines on the island that the criminals were forced to work, and that sounds a lot like Robben Island, doesn't it? Yet even in that place, Even when in prison for sharing the good news, John could think that perfect love casts out all fear. God's love is perfect in us, and our perfect love is in him. 
Can we let his perfect love dissolve all of our fears? Absolutely, beloved. Another freedom he gives us is freedom from addiction. Addiction is defined as any uncontrolled use of a substance despite their harmful consequences. Although it's widely assumed to refer to smoking or drugs or even violent behavior, others have suggested it includes food or phones or friends, social media even, anything that controls our lives. Wow. Some may say, how can I give this up? I like it so much. It has such a hold on me. I pray it and pray it and it won't go away. John writes to us in the same chapter, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those things or people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Life in the spirit gives us that power as we read in Romans 8:37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. I can personally attest to this. For once I came to Christ, I had no desire for alcohol and realized that I was only drinking to numb myself from my insecurities. God's love set me free from that wasted life. My friend Betty testifies that God took away her desire for cigarettes, helping her instantly kick a lifelong habit. We've all heard similar testimonies of those who've been set free from those things that once controlled their lives. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. The love of God also gives us freedom from loneliness. Loneliness is a painful feeling of sadness at the perceived lack of caring and concerned relationships, an unwanted lack of connection to others, a sense of isolation or aloneness in which others don't understand us. It can make a person irritable, self-centered, even depressed. And studies suggest that it can even compromise our immune system and increase the odds of premature mortality. When we feel alone and misunderstood, cut off from others, God is both our refuge and our rescue. When the psalmist cries out, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted, God promises to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. He answers that he places the lonely in families and sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. He promises that his kindness will never depart from us or his covenant of peace be removed and repeatedly says he will never fail us or abandon us. We are, in fact, never alone, for he assures us that he's always with us. And because his Holy Spirit comes to live in us, we are truly never alone. Isaiah 53 in the message says, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in your rough waters, you'll not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the only one of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you, all of Egypt, with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. Truly, beloved, we've been set free and have nothing to fear. God bless you. Amen.